Welcome to CCC's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Velocity of Content. It's Friday, February 9th, 2024. Today, as we do each week, we check in with Publishers Weekly on news from the world of books and publishing. Andrew Albanese, PW Executive Editor, joins me again today from New York City. Welcome back to the program, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. This week, PW reported that Manhattan-based independent publisher Soho Press will launch a new imprint, its first in over a decade, and in the horror genre. Yeah, this is a really good story that you can read on the PW site and in the magazine on Monday as well. Uh, Soho Press, of course, is the venerable Manhattan-based indie. As you say, they're launching a new imprint, their first in over a decade since Soho Teen debuted in 2012. Uh, and our listeners probably know Soho Press. You know they're very well regarded for their literary and crime list. But this summer, they are indeed going all in with a horror imprint called Hell's Hundred. Uh, the press has two books slated for this year and another two set for 2025. And the imprint takes its name from the New York City neighborhood of Soho. And if you know Soho or New York at all, you know Soho is a very glitzy, very chic neighborhood. But it wasn't always that way. This chic neighborhood once had a slightly less catchy name back in the 19th century. It was called Hell's Hundred Acres. <laughs> and it was not known for models and for shopping, but for really grim sort of industrial facades and deadly factory fires. So quite a transformation over the years. The first two books from Hell's Hundred are going to debut this summer. Uh, the first is a book called Youth Juice. It's by a former beauty editor uh, and Soho associate editor, uh, Taz Ernov, billed it as a horror satire about the beauty industry, which is just kind of perfect given Soho's profile these days. Uh, in August, Soho Crime uh, will publish uh, one of their stalwart authors, Stuart Neville, uh, whose noir mysteries often incorporate supernatural elements and actually horror. Uh, they're going to jump that over to Hell's Hundred with a book called Blood Like Mine. That's his 10th book for the publisher, but it's first for the new imprint. And while Hell's Hundred plans to publish horror stories, uh, I have to say the story of the imprint and how it came to be is anything but horror. In fact, it's really one of my favorite stories of the young year. So tell me why, Andrew. Are you a horror fan yourself? Well, I confess I don't read a lot of horror unless you count, you know, political books and Trump books, in which case, yes, I'm quite well versed in horror. <laughs> but I'll say this, you know, my 14-year-old daughter and her friends are obsessed with horror. And I've been watching with interest as they got more and more into it over the years and as the genre itself has grown. And I've tried to understand how and why, but mostly you know, it's just been fun to watch because I've always admired writers like Stephen King and I thought he was underrated. So to see horror really sort of get its due now has been something interesting to watch. But the story of Soho Press around this imprint is just an amazing publishing story. It's one of those great sort of organic indie press stories that really kind of make you feel good about the business. Uh, so you can read the pieces by John Marr uh, online or in the magazine on Monday as well. But I'll just give you some of the broad strokes of the story here. And it involves something the team at Soho dubbed the Monster Squad. Soho publisher Bronwyn Ruska said that the imprint wasn't planned so much as it was the result of a natural confluence of a few factors. Uh, one being, as I just mentioned, the sort of increased cultural fixation with horror over the past few years, and also a sort of bump in horror and horror-adjacent submissions that were coming into the press. And then there was the passion of two young editors there, Nick Whitney and Taz Ernoff. Now, 
some horror adjacent submissions had come to Soho over the years and they fit one of the press's existing imprints and they were published. But Soho was seeing such a spike in horror submissions, submissions that they loved and wanted to publish, but they couldn't just find a way to fit it into their program. So they created the Monster Squad, which was sort of a, you know, in-house task force who did, a, they all did a lot of reading and a lot of homework, and they came up with this new imprint. Soho production and art director uh, Janine Agro, who also happens to be an avid horror fan, suggested the imprint's name, and Ernoff and Whitney began acquiring manuscripts, and here we are with a fully formed imprint. But here's what I really love about this story. It's the collective nature of the endeavor. And Soho Press really, you know, the love for the press really comes through here. You know, for Ernoff, this is their first publishing job. And, you know, this kind of passion and collaboration it doesn't happen at every publishing house, but it really is sort of a story about what publishing does well when they do do it. And look, the publishing industry has been a bit of a horror show itself sometimes. You know, like, look, you've got low pay and stressed workers and challenges with DEI. But, to, you know, to read this story is really to look at something, you know, not at all horrible and really with something that's really one of the great things about this business. So I'm just really looking forward to uh, watching the imprint grow and watching the people behind it thrive in the coming years. And do check the story out on the PW website or in the magazine on Monday. Independent Publishers Group enters 2024 with an upbeat attitude, Andrew, following on several lean years. You'll have that story in Monday's issue. Yeah, so it really has been, you know, a challenging couple of years for IPG, the Independent Publishers Group, uh, since it bought UK-based uh, United Independent Distributors in 2021. Uh, this according to their CEO, Joe Matthews, who acknowledged as much in an interview with PW. You know, they had record sales in 2021, as did so many publishers and distributors in the business. But then sales softened in 2022. And like many companies, IPG suffered after Amazon's drastic cuts to orders. I don't know if our listeners will remember that, but Amazon made some really drastic cuts to orders in the summer of 2022, and it hit a lot of people hard. At IPG, the company's budget was hit so hard that they had to restructure, uh, and that restructure included laying off some employees and downsizing its publishing arm, the Chicago Review Press. But to listen to Joe Matthews, things are getting back to normal Jim Milliot uh, spoke to, to IPG's Joe Matthews about the coming year, and Matthews sounded, well, pretty optimistic. Uh, IPG, of course, is a very important player. They represent more than 200 indie presses. In fact, they're the largest of the sort of indie-facing distributors out there. And, you know, the company's undergone a lot of changes, which you can read about in the piece, and they appear to be working. And I should point out, too, that Joe Matthews' optimism also stems from broader circumstances, namely the encouraging industry and economic trends. And he says in the piece that he thinks the industry may finally be free of post-pandemic ripples and that things are really starting to finally feel steady again. So another inter interesting read uh, from an important player in the indie ecosystem. And let's hope that Joe's optimism for 2024 proves true. Canada's largest bookstore chain, Indigo, reportedly has a buyout offer on the table from that company's largest shareholder. Yes, definitely something to keep an eye on here. Sort of as part of the latest effort to stabilize Indigo Books and Music, two investment firms controlled by Canadian billionaire Gerald Schwartz, uh, who's an Indigo board member and the husband of Indigo founder and CEO Heather Reisman, have indeed made an offer to take Canada's largest book retailer private. If you're getting 
Barnes & Noble vibes here. Absolutely. Me too. In its statement, Indigo said that the board, now headed by former Penguin Random House CEO Marcus Dole, has established a special committee of independent directors that will evaluate the proposal and maybe come back with what they call viable alternatives. And as part of the process, the committee is going to appoint an outside firm to evaluate the offer as well. Now, no timetable has been given here uh, on when a recommendation will be announced, but I imagine things are going to move pretty quickly because the news follows a tumultuous 2023 in which the retailer endured a crippling cyber attack uh, and Reisman announced her retirement and then return. And of course, there amid all this internal turmoil, uh, there was what the company called challenging macroeconomics, right? Uh, basically, the economy was weighing on Indigo's financial performance as well. Sales have been way down. But if the move to take Indigo private goes through, it would mark a significant change to the Canadian bookselling landscape. And a lot of publishers are anxiously waiting to see who ends up in control of the retailer. So stay tuned. A very interesting story north of the border is developing there. Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly Executive Editor, thanks for joining me today with your reporting and editorial analysis. My pleasure, as always. Coming up on CCC's podcast, when Russian armed forces opened a full-scale invasion of Ukraine on February 24, 2022, Ukrainian culture was targeted as much as the country's infrastructure. In the two years since, Chitomo, an online Ukrainian publishing news platform, has diligently documented the resistance by that country's publishers and poets, as well as booksellers and novelists. Irina Baturevich, co-founder of Totomo, tells me from Montreal how the Ukrainian publishing world has brought the country together around books. The mood is uh, to keep on fighting uh, because we have uh, no other no other opportunity. Uh, but I must say that um, it's it's very weird to, to understand that the new bookstores are opening, the new festivals are appearing, are, are establishing in, in, in Kyiv and in other cities all over Ukraine. Uh, this is something absolutely unique and this is showing how much Ukrainian people, how, how much we want to have the normal life back. And this is also very important because uh, we know that with the help of Ukrainian literature, with Ukrainian culture, we are not only normalizing our life, we also trying to make our society, uh, our country stronger. Because knowing that this war is the war against Ukrainian culture, this war is something that is trying to erase our history and to erase our culture that is showing that we are independent, absolutely European nation. This is something that bringing people together, but it's also driving the industry forward. So this is very important. And I think that as soon as we won't have any military action on the territory of, of Ukraine, as soon as we, we won't have any missile attacks on Kyiv, on Kharkiv, on Western Ukraine, on on the uh, Kherson, and many other Ukrainian cities. I think everything will be like not flourishing for sure, not but uh, we will rebuild. I know that people would manage, and that people will keep on going, keep on publishing. I'm sure that we we would be 
stronger than before. And we would always remember those who were fighting, who is fighting now, and who gave their lives to, to protect our freedom. In Ukraine, publishing fights for culture. Next on Velocity of Content. That's all for now. Our producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. Subscribe to Velocity of Content wherever you go for podcasts and don't miss an episode of the show. The CCC podcast is also available on the CCC YouTube channel. I'm Christopher Keneally. Thanks for joining me. Mm-hmm.